You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. I think what you're trying to ask is uh, why am I so insistent upon giving out to them that blackness, that black power, that black pushing them to identify with uh, 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 black culture. I think that's what you're asking. It's, it's, I have no choice over it. In the first place, to me, we are the most beautiful creatures in the whole world, black people. I mean, and I mean that in every, every sense, uh, outside and inside. And to me, we have a culture that uh, is surpassed by, 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 by no other civilization, but we don't know anything about it. So, again, I think I've said this before in this same interview, I think, uh, at some time before, my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Autumn Sonata, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning, Autumn. Thank you for being with me, Queen of Love, when you are on the show to rock out with us with your unique perspective as one of our Queens of Intellect members. If you will, say hello to the intellectual outcast. Uh, we do have a special returning guest, Sincere Sincere, on as well, but I'll let you speak to our, our get, um, speak to our audience. And if you will, just give a little bit of your background before we introduce our special guest. Oh, Lord, okay. You know I'm long-winded, so I'll try to be short. Um, <laughs> what's up, people? I'm Autumn Sonata here. Um, happy to be here. I love being on the show and just contributing to uh, progressing our people forward. And I think, uh, Montoya, you have the perfect platform here. I appreciate you considering me. And um, I'm excited about it. We're talking about marriage and relationships and uh, how our parents, you know, contributed to that. So I have a lot to say. I'll try not to be, you know, too long-winded, but it is a topic that needs to be unpacked. Excited to have Sincere on, the king himself, and <laughs> I think this is a perfect topic for him to come in on, so I'm excited about, you know, unpacking that. Um, I do a lot of stuff. I'm a mother of five. I'm not a single mother. I'm a woman who's single with children. Um, co-parenting is something that I, I, I am big on and passionate about because I have a, a perfect setup. Um, no malice, no ill intent. We do a great job. We love on our kids. Um, I'm a techie. Um, I have my own stuff going on with that. Fly Nerd, shout out to Fly Nerd and the team. Um, I'm an admin over a huge Facebook group for uh, Talls Only, so we represent. I'm 5'11", so we represent for us. You two probably can't come into the group, but that's a whole other topic. We you, mm -hmm. Honorary members, we love y'all still. <laughs> well, but uh, outside of that, I do a whole lot of other things. We, I'm not, I'm not going to... Uh, you know, talk about the height thing. Y'all big in, in personality and, and everything else, you know. <laughs> but, um, outside of that, uh, what else? Dude, hey, I'm glad to have you, Queen. I'm, I'm sorry, say the last part again? 
<laughs> the book is coming out. I'm, I'm working on getting that published. It's called Thank You Notes, talking a lot about marriage relationships, um, my experience through uh, motherhood and, and just life as a black woman. So I'll be um, sending that information over as well. Oh, super dope. Yeah, that's perfect considering today's topic. Mm-hmm. Well, without further ado, let's bring on a returning guest, a big-time caller to the show, big-time supporter of the Mental Dialogue Community Club, brothers and sisters here, who is a relationship coach among many other talents, but I'll let him share anything he wants to share. Thank you for being with us, King, so we can get into this morning's discussion question. Go ahead and let the intellectual outcast know a little bit about yourself if they are first-time listeners. Peace and love, family. It's always great to be with y'all, man. Thank you for pulling me in here uh, uh, on a needed topic, all right? So for those of you who don't know me, uh, I am sincere. Uh, I am a holistic relationship coach. Uh, That happened from writing a book called The 30 Love Laws, which led to me being happily and healthily married uh, to my goddess. And um, we perpetuating that. Are we making marriage cool? Uh, we making it look as sly as it actually is, and uh, we helping people get into that space for themselves. Nah, sounds good. Let's go ahead and get this thing popping. For the first time listeners, my go by the name Black Socrates. So we take the, if you will, the Socratic method to any of these topics, and so we always do them in the form of a question. And this morning's discussion question: What did your parents' relationships, or rela- relationship, or relationships, because some had more than one and some wasn't married and all those type of things teach you about marriage what did your parents relationship teach you about marriage autumn you're the queen of the show so we'll start with you uh, the way we always start just your initial thought not the long-winded additional second third and fourth <laughs> thought when you heard the question where does that way and i say queen do you, will you you know will you I, I sent out a survey trying to figure out which show we should do and this was the number one selection mm-hmm. and you also i think selected as, as one of your top picks as well uh, what was your initial thought when that was the show we ended up deciding on, just the initial thought? Friendship. My parents, um, their relationship demonstrated friendship as the basis and the foundation of their um, their relationship. They carried that through their trials and tribulations, and it showed up to support them when they, you know, were going through different things, um, even parenting. So as, a you know, the oldest child, I was first to witness those growing pains because I was a product of it. Um, and it, it always fell back to friendship. So that was actually a major influence on me. That sounds great. So, yeah, that's, that's a beautiful word. Um, sincere, um, reached out to you and said, hey, man, need you on this show. Again, glad to have you with, with your various backgrounds, specifically in this area, helping a lot of couples. But when you said, I heard you say this morning, when you opened up, you said, this is a great topic, glad to pull you in on it. What was your initial thought when you heard the question worded that particular way, just the initial thought? Oh, man, I thought about my own process of learning from my parents um, who were not married, um, but they did the best that they could with what they knew, all right? So so I knew that it was a conversation that I was going to have to get in on so we can drive some consciousness on the idea. No, I love it. I love it. And I'll, you know, share my thought as well. A lot of times I don't, but I'll just kind of say, uh, yeah, when I thought about it, similar to you, uh, my par- parents were never married, if you will. Um, fortunate enough to be raised in my grandparents' home for the first eight years of my life. So for me, I kind of, if you will, shot past my own mother and father, if you will, right to the, the relationship that I 
kind of was able to witness firsthand to a degree growing up in South Carolina, the, the deep South, if you will. And so uh, my first initial thought was the roles I remember because they were pretty stout within my grandparents' relationship, if you will, and in a sense never was able to see that within my own parents. But it, for me, it shot me straight to my grandparents as somewhat of an example. And um, and I think this and I think this theme will come out, and we can talk about this real briefly, if you will. I'll start with you again, Autumn, um, prior to this initial break. We've got a break in about a minute and a half, so keep it short. But it also made me think about being able to witness it, but a lot, a lot wasn't said about the process for me growing up and wanting to get married. And I think that's something that is pretty constant historically that to a degree, at least in American society, I don't know if there's a lot of conversation. So just a real quick one minute answer, Autumn, if you will, um, you were able to see that friendship through the trials and tribulations, as you just mentioned with your own parents, where there's a, where there are a lot, was there a lot of guidance? I know, um, You've been married before, but were there a lot of guidance prior to your first marriage verbally from your parents, or was it mostly through example? Again, about 45 seconds before break. Go ahead, Queen. Um, it was all through example. We didn't talk about um, what it took to be married and stay married. It was all through example. So the growing pains and the trials and tribulations I had in my first marriage were learning those answers to the questions that I didn't know how to ask. Um and so I learned a lot through that marriage and learned that even though friendship was the basis of it, that doesn't mean that the marriage should be the end goal. And um, we're still good friends to this day because my parents instilled friendship in me. No, I love it. Love it. All right. Well, so see, I'll try to maybe get that question around to you after this first break. Uh, first time listeners, we will let y'all get in on this conversation because we want everybody to call in. As I mentioned, I've sent out a little video for some of the people uh, that are on our text list and I highlighted, we want people to call in and share the good and bad. Maybe we can, in a sense, learn from one another in this conversation because, again, as I just mentioned, historically, it's not a lot of conversation. And I would offer, based on how things are going now, these conversations are necessary so that we can pick up on uh, some things that a lot of us haven't seen through example as a reality within our culture. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, are you a wine drinker? Eh, a little bit here and there, but but my wife definitely loves hers. Why you ask? Man, you got to try this vegan wine by Sip and Share Wine. I ran across them at this event in Atlanta, and now I keep me a few bottles at the house. What, what flavor you like? Um, I mean, I like me a good red or, or maybe a nice dipping deal or something. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Try the sweet red first. Hmm. Okay. That's, that's nice and smooth right there. Yeah, that's kind of sweet like I like it. You know what I'm talking about? For sure. That's why I like that one as well. Hey, hey, now try this Conjure dipping deal. This one was featured in Forbes magazine as a top 10 drink for the summer. See what you think. Oh, okay. Now that's fire right there. Where can I get a bottle of that? Just go to SipAndShareWines.com. They'll ship it right to your door. They black on, too. Oh, yeah? Okay, you said what? SipAndShareWines.com? Is that it? Yep. Bad. Do you simply want your taxes done this tax season? Or do you prefer to have your taxes completed by a professional on top of current and constantly changing tax codes? If so, look no further than S-Kinds Accounting and Tax Services. But each year, plenty of satisfied customers from around the country return for an efficient and professional tax experience. For small businesses, 
Eskai's Accounting and Tax not only provides bookkeeping and accounting on a monthly, quarterly, and or yearly basis, but Eskai's Accounting and Tax goes above and beyond to provide yearly tax strategies to increase the bottom line, profits. While no one likes when Uncle Sam or the IRS comes knocking, know you're in good hands with Eskai's Accounting and Tax. Call them today at 770-947-3667. Again, that's 770-947-3667. Or email them at advice at thetaxcoach.com. I want to debunk some marriage myths, okay? There's a lot of marriage myths that, that go across the world that people see in movies and that aren't married, and they think, oh, this is how it is. Number one. In the movies, they kiss as soon as they wake up. Hey, babe. Mm. Good morning. <laughs> that don't happen in real life marriage because when you're not on a movie set, your breath tastes like last night, and nobody wants to kiss last night's breath. If I go to kiss my wife, I'm reminded my breath is like volcano lava. Like I can taste my breath. Like the toothpaste is worn off, all that stuff. So nobody wants that kiss in the morning, okay? Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host, Autumn Sonata. This morning's discussion question, what did your parents' relationship teach you about marriage? Our special guest is relationship coach, Sincere Sincere. As I was saying before the break, more through example, not through conversation, was uh, what I've seen in the past, uh, uh, Autumn alluded to that as well. Sincere, I wanted to give you a chance to kind of jump in on that thought process as well. Um, I think you mentioned um, parents not married as well, but in a sense, um, did, did anybody talk to you or did you fi- did you have to figure it out through example? Just kind of let you answer that question as well as we continue this morning's discussion. I mean, I had to figure it out through example. Uh, I had... Um, aunts around me that were married and my grandmother was married to my grandfather for years. He passed away uh, when I was a baby. So I didn't have an opportunity to witness their relationship. But for me, it was a lot of idealism. Uh, I saw some things that I didn't like in relationships, uh, but my grandmother placed a chip in me with the potential of what relationships could be based on what you know and what you're willing to exercise in that relationship. So, so that's what turned me on to the relationship process, and uh, that was vital uh, to where I am now. Now, it makes sense, and I love that word, idealism. Um, I think that cut, I think it was um, comedian Kev, I can't think of, his whole, uh, think of his whole name, but it was a, a comedic cut, if you will, and he was highlighting waking up to that kiss in the morning, and I thought it's appropriate to highlight the idealism that you just mentioned because I can say in my own journey, and we'll jump to you, Autumn, and see what your thoughts are on this as well. Um, but within my own journey, absolutely a lot of idealism because, as I said, as I stayed with my grandparents until I was eight, and then at that point me and my mom moved out. And so I really gathered everything I thought about marriage, literally, I would admit, mostly from movies, if you will, um, Outside of, again, my grandparents giving me a decent foundation, and I feel like I picked up some good things through example. However, I definitely got caught up in more of the idealism side, and I've done an entire show on how I lost 10 years chasing love in a, in a, in a crazy way because that's what I think the society kind of 
tunes us to, especially, again, as I mentioned, as a culture, a lot of us haven't lived out an example to see it through and through, if you will. So, Autumn, any thoughts on that part of it? Again, the idealism that goes into it, because you said you kind of had to learn it on your own. Did you have an idealistic approach in your initial marriage, um, if I could ask? Yeah, so for me, the experience um, looked a lot different than the reality. Um, and what I saw and what I idealized about marriage um, showed up differently in the reality of it in that relationship. What I saw was two people, two individuals who decided to love one another and, you know, put in the work and the effort to make, you know, things work um, throughout, you know, um, rejection from family and friends who didn't approve of it, um, throughout, you know, disapproval from, you know, those same individuals because their struggle and non-negotiables look different from my parents. Um, They taught me that, you know, everyone has their things that they just could not accept and your your partner's um, non-negotiables need to be aligned with yours. Um, and that brought me to what core values mean and how, how important those are uh, in a relationship. And so and that's how I proceeded after my first and second marriage to, uh, you know, participate into uh, relationships. So now core values are top tier for me, and that determines how I move forward with a person. Um, but, again, I had to learn that through experience and, uh, learning what that looked like throughout my parents' marriage. That makes sense. Zasir, uh, how much trouble does that idealism get us, you know, in? And again, I felt my personal journey was getting caught up in the romanticized versions that I've seen in the movies, maybe even books, magazines, and I think the society tunes us to that as well. Again, you're dealing with relationships every day. So, um, if you, in a sense, don't have those parents as an example or teaching you to go up against that idealism, um, I think that's just an appropriate place to start. But go ahead, jump in, King. Oh, absolutely, man. Uh, shoot, that idealism is what hurt me, man. Got me in a uh, divorce and uh, uh, almost led me to getting married again without the proper circumstances, right? So, so idealism is good from the stop to start to help you with the design of your your relationship, but uh, the idealism will get you in trouble if you encase that entire relationship and that idea, this uh, fairy tale that in movies only lasts for two hours, and that's a long movie. So, so uh, what we need is the tools to understand how to stretch. Uh, that reality and understand that love, uh, an element of love has to have tribalism attached to it because we're tribal people. All right. So, uh, so, so that's how idealism affected me in a negative way, but we also use idealism now, myself and my wife, and that affects us in a positive way, but we have the proper tools based on life experience and understanding the true design of that love thing. So now our marriage works and it works very well. Oh, love it. I see some callers out there. If you're trying to jump in, would love to get your three cents on this morning's conversation or what did your parents teach you about marriage. You do have to press one if you're trying to speak for anybody online that would like to join us. The number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646-787-1691. Press one to let us know you would like to speak. So in continuing this conversation, um, 
Autumn, again, you had an example. You talked about the friendship. That was just the initial thought. Um, what else do you feel like you, you've learned and or maybe you'll be able to take with you going forward as um, you, in a sense, seek uh, uh, what I'm, you know, still seeking a future relationship. I don't know if it's necessarily marriage, if you will, but what type of other things do you feel like uh, you learned from your parents, whether it was good and bad? Again, you witnessed it, and uh, from maybe I don't know if they're still together or, or whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. but you learned friendship. What else did you learn, good or bad, from your from your parents' relationship? I learned how to honor and respect my mate. And this is something that I learned in reverse of what was um, shown to me, you know, in their marriage. Um, You know, being cognizant of my own traumas, having, you know, having to work through those things before entering into a relationship of that magnitude um, is key for me. Um, Trying to work through those things, you know, while in a marriage and trying to hold my partner accountable for my own stuff, it, it, it showed up in their marriage as a breakdown. Um, too often, I think, men and women, we get into relationships looking for a savior and looking for someone to heal our own stuff, and that oftentimes, you know, it's a selfish motive, and oftentimes it breaks the other person down. And what I've learned through, you know, see, seeing it firsthand through their um, dynamic is that my healing is my responsibility, and when you come into a relationship, you come into it willingly and as whole as possible, um, at least being cognizant of your stuff so that you don't rub it off on anyone else. Um, so now I move with that intention. I iterate through my stuff, and I hold myself accountable. That self-agency is key for me, and I only um, desire the same for my mate. Okay. Um, sincere, I can throw it back to you. Um, like you said, parents are not married. Um, is, was there anything within your parents' relationship? Because here's the reality. We, we're learning for those of us who might want to be married or looking to be married, myself included. Um, we're learning things whether our parents are married or not. So I know your parents were not married, but do you feel like, what you know, what do you feel like you learned, again, good and bad that helped you or hurt you as you said in that first situation, based on a lot of idealism, but was there anything you took from your mother or father that you took into that situation, um, again, good or bad, that you would be willing to share? Oh, absolutely, man. Um, I learned both good and bad. Uh, first and foremost, um, I very much respect my mother for not speaking ill of my father, for not stepping up. Um to the responsibility of being a man and a father. Um, but I also respect my father for showing me what not to do or what not to be. And I want to be clear. Uh, I love my father. His job was to get me here, right? So uh, at a certain point, we lose the excuse of what our parents did or didn't do when we become conscious beings. Then it's our job, just like uh, Autumn was saying, to seek the healing for self, right? So my father taught me what not to do, but I also embody some of his uh, characteristics, the charisma, that type of thing. But my mother never spoke ill of my father, and I appreciate that because she allowed me to see for myself how things were, and um, she allowed me to choose what type of man I was going to be without negative coercion. So so uh, that's the positive and the negative uh, behind that. No, I love it. Um, yeah, I was fortunate. My mother was the same way. 
Um, again, it was once we moved out from my grandparents at eight. Um, for the most part, definitely never, in a sense, down talk my father. Now, I would catch some of the conversation, you know, she and they would have on the phone in reference to, you know, whether he was getting me enough or, you know, what role he you know, right. play and that kind of stuff. So I would get wind of it. And I mean, you know, and then as a kid, I was like, I was like to highlight that even um, as, a, as, as upset as she would be as far as, you, you know, you said you was coming and you didn't come this time, whatever. And um, so as upset as she would be, and she would even make reference like he's gonna be up. You know, you you really gonna mess him up if you um you know keep doing this or whatever. I was I, I so desired for him to be there that I would still take his side, and and that's the reality. I'm just talking about how you witness things as a child, right? She's in the defense of me, but I'm stop, somehow making an excuse because I want him there that bad, and that's again a, a, a perspective as a if you will as a single boy looking at that situation you know what I mean and so it, it was a perspective Absolutely. you know in, in hindsight again she's upset with him but would not get off that phone to your point and say anything bad outside of consoling me saying you know uh, we'll set it up another time or whatever and like you, like, you, like you said now when it comes to your father whatever he came heavy in my life in high school and I always highlight that if if, if if there's going to be some informative years that that father has to be there, I was fortunate enough to have him in my life, you know, really from high school on. And he, and he was a, sporadically before that, but he was a regular and a staple in my life in high school. He had gotten married and his second and his first wife was adamant. You know, she had a son as well. So she was adamant. You're going to, you know, you're going to get your son or whatever. And, and then again, and so then it became a regular so again, like you, you know, so I learned some good things as well. Um, Autumn, look, sound like you wanted to pipe in. Jump in, Queen. Yeah, but, you know, to hear you two talk about how your mothers did not speak ill of your father, even when they made mistakes, I have a different experience, and I wanted to jump in and provide that insight from a woman's point of view, who's now a mother. Um, my mom, she, like I was saying, she was iterating through her stuff as a woman who was broken, coming in with trauma, and. You know, they were young when they got together, so my dad made his mistakes. Um, but seeing the the impact of, like, the negativity, you know, her hurt coming out verbally um, towards him and physically sometimes, both of them, you know, physically, um, and how it impacted me as a, as a daughter, um, I saw how a woman's words can wither a man away. Um, the breakdown in his mm-hmm. spirit, even though... He was not, you know, whole and, and, and you know, all, all the time good. Um, he cheated. He did his, you know, his, his thing sometimes and not excusing the action, but the reaction to it in front of the children was, um, it was, it was, it, it broke us down as children. And still some of my, you know, my brothers carry some of that to this day in the way that they interact with women. Um, but again, I had to, pull from, you know, what I saw with them and iterate through my own stuff and learn and heal from that on top of healing from my own, you know, traumas and, and the idealism going into relationships. So all that to say, women and men too, when you are in relationship, you are in relationship uniquely with that person. Your experience with that person, whether ill or good, is to be shared with them alone. 
the negativity, your your hurt, your your harm, and the things that you guys go through together is just between you two. Um, oftentimes, especially black women, we go through a lot. We carry a lot, not just for our families, but for the world. And oftentimes we react, and our children are the ones who pay the price for our feelings. Um, for me as a young woman, seeing my father dwindle down as, you know, as a protector of my life, it was one that left me feeling unprotected. It left me feeling exposed to harm because if he is not postured to protect me, then who could? Um, and I had to realize growing up that she was doing the best that she could, but she didn't realize the impact of her words on her, on, on him and the family. And so, um, women, our words matter. They can either break a man down or build him up. And regardless of what the status of your relationship is with your child's father, your ex-husband, your husband, that is to be resolved between the two of you and never in front of the children. Because yeah, I was that glad is, I had, you are, no, absolutely. No, I love yeah. that. I was glad I had that example. And yep. And as mm-hmm. a you know young man, I could speak to that you, in a sense, as you're saying, you should never do it because my mom never did it. My grandmother never did it. Oh, you know, in a sense, talk down on you know my father, my father or my grandfather. Um, I got Sister Marlo coming calling out of Tampa, Florida. I'm gonna get her on the air real quick. We only got about a minute for break, so I'm gonna see if I can hold her a little longer. Hey, Queen, thank you for getting in on this call this morning. How you doing? Hello, hello. Good morning, good morning. Now you know I need more than a minute. <laughs> yeah. So what I wanted to do, I wanted to see if I could keep you on. I got a cut. I want to get your thought and your response to a cut if I can keep you on for about five minutes. You got five minutes? I got five minutes. All right, perfect. So I'm going to go ahead and go to this cut because I want to get everybody's response. Um, matter, of, yeah, let's, yeah, let's, matter of fact, let me let me move the cut because I want to let you get your initial thought, then play the cut and see if you have time to stay on with us. So just jump in and give me your initial thought. We got, she got a little time. This is not an actual commercial break. This is just a cut for the show so I can kind of play with the timing. Go ahead, Queen. Give me your initial thought. Okay, um, getting okay. in on this discussion. I'll yep. make it quick. I'll make it quick. Um, thank you for the topic. It's just so interesting that when you sent me the survey, this is the one that I picked because I would say like a couple of days ago, I was watching my parents. I'm lucky my parents are together as far as my stepfather who married my mom when I was nine years old and a couple days ago I just sat there and I watched how they were interacting and it just hit me how and a lot of people have heard this before in a marriage you have to really be or come to it in service I watched the way my mom is always taking care of my dad and I've got to do this for your dad I got to make sure he has this and they're both retired now but he has a part-time job so for me, it was like this was perfect timing because it was relevant. Even seeing mm-hmm. them last night, my thoughts were, mm-hmm. wow, look at how excited my dad is or my mom. And it was just, it, it really nice. just opened my eyes to a lot of things. No, I love I love that thought. Um, uh, Autumn, I'm going to let you connect queen to queen before I play this cut. Um, anything about this queen just giving her her, her three cents? in reference to this morning's discussion. Hey, Queen. So I definitely appreciate you coming on and providing your experience because it's important that we talk about the positive um, experiences as well. My parents, like I was saying before, they didn't start off uh, knowing each other or growing um, into each other. But now to see how they love and service one another um, is is a true testament to how healing can contribute to a a wholesome and healthy relationship. And so um, whether it starts off that way or not, it's possible to end that way. Absolutely. 
No, I love it. All right, I'm going to keep you on for this cut and get your thoughts and then get you off. I know you got some work to do this morning, but thank you, Queen, for calling in. Let me play this cut real quick. It's about a three-minute cut, and we'll get all of your thoughts before we let you go. For any other callers, if y'all want to get in, y'all do have to press one if you want to be like Marlo. And I'm telling y'all to be like Marlo. We want y'all three cents this morning. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. That's actually why people get married, you know, just so you know. Because this is built into marital vows. I'm not leaving ever, no matter what. It's like, okay, well, that definitely puts a boundary around our arguments, right? Because I can't say every time you manifest one of your flaws, which you're likely to do just as often as me, well, enough of this. It's like, that's horrible, man. If your whole life is, well, every time you get out of line, I'm, I'm out of here. It's like, how the hell are you? First of all, you're not going to admit to ever doing anything wrong. Second, you're going to be on your, you're like a, like a scared cat the entire relationship because, well, who knows, it could just come to an end at any moment. It's like, you know, people say, well, if, you're, if the possibility of divorce is open, it makes you free. It's like, yeah, that's what you want. You want to be free, eh? Really? Really? So you can't predict anything. That's what you're after. It's a vow. And it says, look, I know that you're trouble. Me too. So we won't leave, no matter what happens. Well, that's a hell of a vow, but that's why it's a vow, right? That's why you take it in front of a bunch of people. That's why it's supposed to be a sacred act. It's like, what's the alternative? What's the alternative? Everything is mutable and changeable at any moment. Well, go ahead. You live your your life like that and see what you're like when you're 50. Jesus, it's dismal. Two or three divorces, your family's fragmented. You've got no continuity of narrative. It's, and it's not good for the kids, not by any stretch of the imagination. And so it's a form of voluntary enslavement, I suppose, but it's also equivalent to the adoption of a responsibility. And there's more to it than that. If you can't run away, then you can solve your problems. Because it might be, okay, well, I'm stuck with you. So how about we fix things? Because the alternative is we're going to be in a boxing match for the next 40 years. That's the alternative. So, and you think you're going to fix problems without something like that hanging over your head? There isn't a chance. You'll just avoid them because that's what people do. It's really hard to, to solve problems, especially in a relationship. We're having a fight and I find out that it's, you know, because you're, you were abused by your uncle when you were five or some goddamn thing. You know, it's like, it's very frequent that that sort of thing happens. You, there, there's the partner, your partner's you know, manifesting some weird anomalous behavior. You just can't make heads or tails of it. It doesn't seem related to what you're doing at all. They don't want to talk about it. And so as soon as you bring it up, they get mad. And then you bring it up again, they even get madder, and they tell you that you're not going to talk about that or they're going to leave. And so maybe you're really, really persistent because you're kind of a son of a bitch, and then they break down and cry, you know. And then they have this horrible memory that comes flooding forward that's completely, you don't know what to do with it, and then you have to sort it out. So you think you're going to do that unless there's a good reason? You have to know, we better sort this out or we're going to be carrying it around for the next 40 years. That maybe is enough motivation so you'll actually try hard to solve Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Autumn Sonata. This morning's discussion question, what did your parents' relationship teach you about marriage? Our special guest is relationship coach, Sincere Sincere. We'll hear a cut from Jordan Peterson. Sincere, I want to start with you, if you will, King, as our expert, if you will. you hear, again, a long kind of thought-out cut by Jordan Peterson, um, psychologist, 
uh, well-known on the Internet. And he's just highlighting, and I think this is a, a starting point, of the idea of the marriage vow, if you will. That's something that everybody thinks about, dreams about when we're, as we mentioned in the first part of the show, the idealism of getting married, if you will. But he's highlighting how valuable and how important it is to actually take that vow and hold to it. And so uh, in starting with you, King, again, not only being a relationship expert, but you've highlighted some of your own story. And so um, you talked about this time around getting away from the idealism. You feel like you approach the relationship with your wife in the appropriate manner. I would assume what you just heard matters to you differently than when you walked into your first marriage with idealism. I'm talking about the idea of the vow, if you will. Um, your thoughts on what you just heard, King, and then we're going to go to our special guest, Marlon, and let her go. But go ahead, um, brother. Absolutely, family. I love it. I encourage my couples to establish their own constitution, their own contract, their own pact, to take divorce off the table and preordain what their relationship is going to live, uh, what it's going to look like as they live through it, and make that the standard for the relationship. For example, me and my wife, we have taken the word divorce out of our personal vocabulary so it does not exist in our relationship. It exists in others, but it does not exist in our relationship. We have dedicated ourselves to the fix. And that's what I implore uh, other couples to do. Determine your mission statement. Take the ability to run away off of the table uh, and let's dedicate to the fix. I love it. And uh, I think we we often applaud past relationships in a sense because a, a lot of them took a vow of this nature and it got them through to, to where, as Autumn and Marlo mentioned, seeing, you know, her parents, Marlo mentioned seeing her parents later in life and how they serve each other and Autumn saying, hey, in the end, this is how it looks. They probably took a vow where to, to the point to where it got them to this point, just throwing that out. Uh, Marlo, just quick thoughts on what you just heard before we let you go. So thank you for calling in this morning, Queen. No problem. Um, that passage did open up a lot just now, but I want to say in the beginning, like my parents, you know, they told me nothing. They talked. Mm -hmm. They didn't talk to me at all about relationships. So I definitely had to just experience it. And being a military brat, my dad always gone. You know, I really just saw my mom kind of, you know, running the household. Me and myself, you know, my brother. So Mm -hmm. my dad would kind of pop in and out. So I didn't really see much. Wasn't told much. But Mm -hmm. they have now been married for 41 years. So now I can I'm able to see that yeah divorce was not an option. It's like we in this, you know we we gonna do what we gotta do. It, it's not an option, you know. Whether my dad puts up with some stuff that my mom says sometimes out of pocket, and then my you know mom having to deal with my dad and his moves. But at the end of the day, they know each other. They've been together for 41 years, and they deal with it, and they still are able to love each other enough to overcome whatever flaws they may have and be able to come together and serve each other and just kind of keep it moving. Um, So I do like the process of thinking, yes, forever, but there are circumstances where, you know, you do have to leave, whether whatever those cases are. 
Um, right. I know I've been, you know, single now for six years, and I can look back and see things that I could have done better, he could have done better. But towards the end, I remember having the conversation with him saying that if our daughter was in this same situation, what would you tell her to do? And mm. his words were, I would tell her to leave. So we knew at that point we were just at a point of no return. Our relationship now is better. The way we communicate about the children is better. What we show them in our communication as being co-parents is, is much, much better. So at this point, listening to this show, it's making me think I now, as a, you know, as a single mom, need to have those conversations with my kids. Like right. right now, I need to let them right. know this is what happened. This is how we work through it, and this is where we're now because I'm not having those conversations with them, really, you know. So I, I thank you for this platform because now it kind of opened my eyes to, okay, let me sit down with my kids one-on-one and have this conversation. Definitely need so, to be. We got to no, break, that, break that generational curse. I love Amen. you saying that because I'll be honest, that is the purpose of this show, knowing that that mm-hmm. to a degree – for 5,000 years since, quote, unquote, marriage has been on record as far as being able to record a marriage, right? 5,000 years was the first one recorded. 5,000 years was, was the first one recorded. Different societies picked up, quote, unquote, marriage at different points in history uh, as far as, again, recording it, if you will. And so just in highlighting that mm-hmm. for so many years, m- most of the world's culture learned via example. We, 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 we cannot be devoid of the fact that most of us haven't had enough examples. And so the goal was this conversation reminds our generation, you, we got to have conversations, especially if we know our children behind us didn't get the example we would like for them to get. So it becomes imperative that we become, mm-hmm. in my opinion, the first generation to talk about it, if that makes sense. So I love you coming to that conclusion in your conversation with us. Thank you for being with us, Queen. I want to hear what Autumn has to say. I know you got to get to work, so thank you for making a little time to get on the show this morning. Thank you for having me. I yeah, wanted ahead, to jump in and say, Mara, I salute you. We have a lot in common. I'm a military brat. Parents been together for 41 years. I've been single for six years now. Um, and what I had to learn is that with me having four boys, I had to learn um, – through raising them, that boys end up with their mothers. My oldest one is 21, and it was important for me to to speak to him, letting him know what the realities of the breakdown in um, the relationship or the marriage between him, him or myself and his father was, how I contributed to that and how he contributed to that. Um, and not speaking negative, you know, negatively against him, but letting him know, like, these were growing pains, and this is the reality of relationship. So doing the work beforehand landed us where we are now as great co-parents and able to communicate and, you know, raise them effectively. But those conversations with their children are paramount because, like I said, boys marry their mothers, girls marry their fathers. And I needed my son to know that I am a woman who has made mistakes. I am not perfect. And this is how I show up to you. And I know that, you know, when you start dating and, you know, when you get married, the same qualities that you see in me that I demonstrate is what you're going to look for in your wife. And if I want better for you as a parent, then I have to show up as better. Um, My second point is, like you said, I do believe there are two different types of marriages. There is where you marry in spirit, you unite in spirit and truth, 
and the other is where you commit through flesh. My first marriage, I committed through flesh. We were comfortable. We were young, and we just thought this is what we do. We didn't take time to figure each other out. So my question to Sincere is, how do you advise the couples, you know, on the differences between the two and what what tactics or um, skill sets did you, do you um, advise they employ before um, getting married? Oh, sis, I love that question. Um, outside of being a relationship coach, I have a holistic approach, uh, meaning there's a spirit element, there's a mind element, and then there's a physical element to what to what I do to incorporate the wholeness, right? Not just of a relationship uh, with somebody else, but becoming whole yourself, right? Mm. So that's the framework that I use for uh, what I do as a holistic relationship coach. Now, um, one thing that I implore all of uh, my couples and individuals, because I work with individuals and couples, uh, I have them properly identify what they need and what they want via making a list because you have to drive consciousness and you have to be intentional or you will not uh, reach whatever goal you are seeking. Uh, you have to write it and make it plain. And, and then there's things like what me and my brother Montoya talked about with uh, your attachment style, right? Like whether uh, you come from a secure environment, which is an attachment style, whether it's more of an avoidant or anxious uh, attachment style, or whether it's more of a fearful type of attachment style. And this is uh, where we get things like clinginess or, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're just detached from the relationship, or you can emotionally express yourself because that's the environment that you come out of. So I drive consciousness to let folks know what um, these um, these different, not only styles, but having you properly identify what you need and want, and then we just kind of break it down from there. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Thank you for that. Uh, beautiful. Let me Certainly. highlight this. Yeah, let me highlight this as we have to go to another break, take care of our sponsors. Um Brother Frank Rivers, who's been on the show, um, Views from the Man Cave, and then this is how the universe works. As I'm preparing for the show, I saw this this morning. I just wanted to highlight this as we're talking about the, being the generation that now talks to the next generation because here's another aspect that was very much part of examples, and I'll go, you know, in a sense, back to, quote, unquote, if we will, our African roots, if you will, um, in the idea of a rites of passage was very prominent historically, right? And so, Frank, this just happens to pass my timeline as I'm getting ready for this morning's show. And he wrote this this morning saying, every culture required a man to go through a rite of passage. It typically included him going out into the wilderness to fend for himself, to teach him to survive on his own. No one could help him. If he failed, he would not be considered a man. He could not marry and have children. He wouldn't be considered an elder to the younger generations. A man has to prove himself to himself. You have to know that you can make it. You can survive. You can thrive. It's why your future wife and children will rest easy. They know what you will do because they know what you have done. And I'm highlighting the standard and the requirement that has, in a sense, gotten lost because of the lack of examples and the idea of a right of passage would make you, in a sense, worthy in those cultures. And now, 
I like how Autumn said she got together for the flesh, probably wasn't looking at has does this man deserve to be in this situation with me because he's proving himself. That's something that has definitely been lost on our generation. Let's go to break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Have you heard the adage that a picture is worth a thousand words? Well, meet Livy Blue Photography, a premier company specializing in capturing your family portraits and turning them into wall art that stands the test of time. One visit to their website, LivyBlue.com, and you will immediately be blown away by the experience as you peruse their gallery. The lead photographer, Jalivia Northern, is a published photographer with over 10 years of experience in capturing families, weddings, and school senior portraits. If you want a breathtaking photography experience, contact Livy Blue Photography at LivyBlue.com. That's L-I-V-I-B-L-U-E.com. Uh, baby, what do you think about uh, how our dating process went? Um, I, I, our dating process was intentional. Intentional. So that's a word, all right. So that's a word, all right. So uh, when we say intentional, like we didn't just expect things to happen, like we didn't just wish for things to happen. Um, we talked about it, yeah. like in detail. Like we talked about wh- what our life looks like or what it was going to look like, not only in the process, but but as we get married. Uh, we talked about what all that stuff was going to look like, right? So what I'm finding that that in relationships, like we don't have real conversations on what our life is going to look like or uh, what type of goals we're going to be reaching for as a couple. So uh, like if you don't have a plan, your plan is to fail. So that's an absolute fact, all right? So in our intentionality, like even now that we married, like we continue to do things together of course, we date, uh, but we intentionally reach for things together as a couple, all right? So I also asked her, like, what, 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 where is she at with life? Mm-hmm. How can I better support her, right? What does, what does her dreams continue to look like? And we stay tapped in on that level, all right? So, so folks can understand that you can have a dope relationship um, and you can design it every step of the way, right? So it's not one conversation that we had like over six years ago when we get got married. We continue to have a conversation. Because we continue to date. Facts. Facts. Okay. And y'all, I, so, so I ain't going to give away all the sauce, but there is an intentional dating process even when you get married. So when I hear folks say, well, you know, we kind of lost touch or whatever the case is. I understand why. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Autumn Sonata. This morning's discussion question, what did your parents' relationships teach you about marriage? Our special guest is sincere, sincere, as I love to surprise my guests with hearing their own words, surprising them to hear their own words, but I thought aptly applies. And again, the universe always lines up as I'm preparing for a show as y'all, you and your wife were coming off of your What's Love um, seminar, if you will, that you recently had talking about some upcoming stuff. 
And I thought that was extremely vital to this discussion because, again, when we ask what did our parents teach us, part of the process is even how do I even get into this situation and here you and your wife were kind of giving out some game again for an upcoming seminar that you obviously let our audience know about, um, if you will, sincere. But you said some deep stuff in there, King, so I'll just kind of let you jump in on your own words in reference to the dating process prior to marriage. So vital. Most of us have it mixed up. And I would like to highlight that in the current age, when we highlighted earlier in the show, 5,000 years on record, well, in the recent 150 last 200 years the idea of even dating is actually really new in the concept of getting married it may not seem new to us as you know living in these times but it is actually a newer concept and i can imagine your dating process in your first marriage as you just as we just heard you say you were very intentional in this second situation with your wife now so just kind of jump in where you fit in king but thank you for those thoughts yeah, brother, thank you for that cut, man. Like uh, We just did that last night coming off of an awesome uh, event that we had called What's Love leading into April where we're going to be doing an event called Dating Courtship 101, all right? Because uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, the dating concept or the word is new, right? Um, but when I started off this conversation very early on at the beginning of the show, I talked about tribalism. And that's how we properly identify love. It has to be through tribalism. So there has to be a uh, not only a personal goal, but a communal goal for your relationship. All right? So we're going to be breaking down the dating process, what that actually looks like, because we have to combine the old with the new, and we have to understand that if that is not a continuous chase, Man, if we don't continuously chase our women, and what I mean is if we don't display that we still care, if we don't display that they're still valuable, if we don't display that we still see them as the same beautiful woman that we decided to choose because we choose them, they select us, if we don't continue to show that, they're going to yearn for it. And if they yearn for it, they're going to lean towards it. If they lean towards it, they're leaning away from you if you're not the person that's giving it to them. Come on, man. Go ahead, Autumn. Jump in, right? Queen. So, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, sure, sure, sure. Go ahead. You over here? You got me over here getting hyped because it's so true. Right. But um, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's vital that we're intentional. Um, at the highest level of civilization, we upheld our women, and you can tell the condition of a society by the condition of the women in that society or in that structure. So as we lift our women up, it gets us back to our most civilized state, and everything has order from that standpoint. So that's what I mean by tribalism. So jump on in here, sister. Tell me your thoughts. I, you know, just just piggybacking off of that, when you said those words, like we lean um, in the direction of, of the person who is providing that safe space for us, essentially, um, that is so true. And I, I can um, divine femininity and divine masculinity to container and water. Femininity is the water. We're free flowing. We are um, so pliable and and um, giving and nurturing. Uh, we are the source of life, not just physically but spiritually. Um, and the masculine 
sense, you know, the container, the structure, the logic, and we, we know that we need that. And so if we um, are in relationship with a man and he is not capable or postured to provide that for us, we will naturally lean towards the source that does. Um, and so it's just so important that men are aware and that women are aware of our our spiritual responsibility. Um, being that safe space, I had a man tell me, I do not create a safe I I do not provide a safe space. I am the safe space, meaning that I know who I am and I mm. embody that. Um, and that, my God, when I tell you that, do something to me because women need exclusivity. We need to know that we are safe and protected with you. And that's just not a financial provision, but that is for all that we embody. We need to know that we are secure here with this person. So, um, yeah, those words you spoke just, just resonated so highly because we, we're lacking that in today's society. Um, and we just need to speak more on it. So I appreciate you being present for that, King. Now, I know we only got it for a few more minutes. Right? We go, brother. Um, so I'm going to say this real quickly, and then you can give us some closing thoughts and let people know how they can stay in contact with you as well. Um, but you mentioned that word dating, the word or whatever may be new or whatever. Um, I just wanted to really throw this out real quick and hear a quick thought from you on this before you go. Is I saw this cut. I've been looking for it for, year, for a couple of weeks, three, few, three, few weeks now. I can't find it again. But the idea of how we date tonight, today versus, you know, courtship was very intentional, just like you and your wife mentioned, right? Courtship was the word of the day back in the day when you were, in a sense, trying to find a wife or, you know, or whatever. And so dating, um, the way that we date in current times, we kind of learn how to break up. So how are you ever going to be set mm-hmm. if you are married? When you just keep having dates and breaking up, there's no attention to it outside of, oh, this didn't work. So you learn how to break up more so than you would ever learn in a situation where courtship is very different than dating. It's something that I saw recently. If you can give us a quick thought, and I'll let you go, yes. brother, because I know you got to get to take care of those boys. Yes, 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 absolutely. Uh, brother, that's an awesome point. Uh, uh, you're absolutely true. Like, we learned the art of the heightened emotional experience, and then we come down and then we disconnect, right? So that's what dating has become. So let's break down the word as I'm into etymology and that type of thing so we can deal properly with words. Words have vibrations. Vibrations connect, right? So the root word of dating is date. That's about time, right? Right? So... When we talk about intentionality, it's about the quality of the time that we're spending together. So that's the appropriate outlook on dating, right? Being intentional with the time that you spend so you can develop a quality connection. That's why quality time is important. So, so the courtship is all about making the proper connection and then being able to main, maintain that connection at a very high level. All right, so 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 when you spoke of rites of passage, that's something that I also do uh, in and around the Atlanta area, getting back to our roots. There's a term, Sankofa. We have to go back to go forward. We have to see why we were great to be able to get back to that greatness and then maintain it from there. So y'all connect with me because we're out here doing the work. Uh, we're making it look fly. We're making it look sexy. Me and my wife are a real thing. So we represent relationship at the highest order, and we maintain it. All right, if you don't believe me, come and look at the the smile on my wife's face when we connected to one another. Right? Yeah, I love it. Uh, look at the smile on my wife's face. 
when, when we're not. So uh, connect with me at Sincere, Sincere, that's S-I-N-S-E-A-R-S-I-N-C-E-R-E. I love to connect with you and let me know how I can serve you. So thank you, brother. Thank you, Queen, for uh, holding us down over here because we always need that divine feminine energy. So we appreciate you. Uh, thank you, King. Thank you, brother, for having me be a part of it. I'm going to support anything you do, brother. You always have. Um, go go help those boys, brother. So appreciate you and uh, amazing. First out, we are up against the top of the out, so we're going to go to break and keep this conversation going. Um, I'm going to share some of the thoughts that I got this week on this morning's discussion question. Again, I see a couple of callers out there. If you want to get in, you do have to press 1. The number to get in on this morning's discussion is 646-787-1691. Press 1 to let us know you want to speak. We want to hear what you learned from your parents about marriage. We'll be right back where all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk. Truth Seekers, please understand, Mental Dialogue is much more than just a talk show. Each and every Saturday, we communicate with you for two reasons, to dialogue and connect. On the dialogue side, we cater to you intellectual outcasts who feel you have no place for honest discourse on race, sex, culture, and African-American business. On the Connect side, we've created a community where you can connect with experts specifically in finance, whether personal or business, and mental health, whether it's trauma or to optimize performance, along with all the other skill sets from other MD community members. Our mission was to create a virtual nationwide neighborhood where African Americans learn to trade ideas, goods, and services through social media, meetups, and this podcast. To become a neighbor of the Mental Dialogue Community Club, please visit us at mentaldialogue.com. We are better with you than we are without you. We can be neighbors even though we don't live next to each other. Hashtag raise the culture. Now, one of the things that we're doing in our society, which I think is, I think it's absolutely appalling, is that we're making the case that all families are equal. Mm-hmm. It's like, sorry, no, wrong. And there's no empirical data supporting that proposition, by the way. It's much better for kids to have two parents. Okay. Now, who those parents are, that's a whole different issue. But. Okay, and if I could just uh, add one more thing. Um, how would you ask that question to, let's say, a daughter who was raised out a father? Because she would obviously have different ways of finding those fragments of her missing father than, like, a boy would instead. Because obviously they're raised differently. At least they should have been. Well, I think it's the same issue, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, th- I think that another danger that emerges, and this is Freud's, of course, famous observation, is that, you know, if, if there's mom and child, mm-hmm. or father and child, that relationship can get a little closer than it should. 
And then the lines get blurry and mixed. And I'm not saying that that happens to everyone, obviously, but, mm -hmm. but it's still a danger that, that's inherent in the situation. They're thrust together too tightly without sufficient resources. Okay. And so the responsibility has to be distributed more. And like, I really do think that it's the sign of the degeneration of a society when, that when, when single parenthood becomes anything approximating the norm. It's mm -hmm. not a good idea. And, the, and part of the reason I believe that, and, and I think this has to do with the um, overwhelming selfishness of, 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 of modern life, is that marriage isn't for the people who are married. It's for the children, obviously. And like, if you can't handle that, grow the hell up. Ser no, I mean seriously. Yeah, okay. Seriously. Once you, once, you, once you have kids, it is not about you. Period. Now, that doesn't mean it isn't about you at all. But that just seems so self-evident to me. I can't believe that anybody would even, would even question it. Oh, it's been so, questioned. Oh, yes. Well, horrible. I'm certainly aware of that. Yes, it's questioned. It's almost illegal to question it now. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. Special guest co-host, Autumn Sonata. What? Your what did your parents' relationship teach you about marriage? As I play another cut from Jordan Peterson, if you will, Autumn, I wanted to highlight the very end of that cut where he addresses marriage is for the children. If you don't understand that to a degree, and he's obviously addressing a modern audience, if you will, you need to grow the hell up is kind of, quote unquote, his words. And it reminds me of the history that a lot of us are aware of, as we just highlighted, um, you know, some of the grandparents and, you know, your, your, your mother's and father's relationship and sincere, um, you know, highlighted those, in a sense, long-term relationships that stayed together and we know and we've heard, in a sense, for the children. And in today's context, Quite often I hear that term in a sense demonized because often in, we are comparing it or especially if we, like say you being the oldest child, I'm pretty sure you witnessed more than your siblings did in reference to what your mother and father went through than the rest of your siblings, right? And so quite often when we hear that staying together for the children, we also put it up against a the, the negative stuff that some of us may have witnessed within our own relationships or heard about it or within our families. And we're like, wow, they stayed together, you know, for the children. And quite often we'll reference it like, wow, she stuck through that or he stuck through that just for the children. He accepted that or she accepted that just for the children. And we put this in a sense, negative connotation on it. I wanted to highlight one other thing and get your thoughts clean. Um, there are studies out there showing that plenty of marriages end up doing very well, even if for a period they stuck together for their children. And today we're quick to say that's a bad reason to stay together. It could be harmful. And what happens is there are situations in which it is harmful. Like there's nobody saying mm -hmm. that's not harmful, right? There are situations where mm -hmm. it is absolutely best especially when there's a lot of abuse involved, whether that's parent-to-parent mm -hmm. abuse or definitely parent-to-children abuse. Nobody would say stick through that situation or if they are, they're a fool, right? And I'm not saying, and again, I'm not just mm -hmm. highlighting the worst scenario. And again, I'm not even highlighting that every situation should stick together. 
but we are in a generation now where we're quick to, I would highlight, Jordan Peterson used the word selfish to the extent that it's so much about us that to a degree we will dip out and say, yeah, it ain't smart to stay together for the kids. It's not, it's, it's harmful. However, there are studies showing plenty of relationships that stayed together for a period due to the children that are now fruitful for not only the couple, but that entire family and that intactness leads means a lot to the next generation and that's what gets lost when we selfishly jump out of the situation and then here's the last part when we selfishly jump in for ourselves not realizing our responsibility is not only to this other person but if we've agreed to bring lives in this world our commitment is mostly for them that's the part that we don't understand when we see parents of the past standing together for the children, they understood that. I think that's lost on us. Your thoughts, Queen? Yeah. So um, and, and that brings up a very uh, good point, and I think we discussed this in another show. Um, there's a major difference between staying with, you know, staying in the marriage for the kids, and when it's producing a abusive, you know, toxic environment. I'm totally not an advocate for that. Um, I think it does more harm than good. Um, but oftentimes we get lost in the purpose of procreation. Um, we get lost in our purpose as humans. Um, giving is not for us. Our purpose is not for us. Our purpose is for the people. Um, and like I tell people all the time, we're all just walking each other home. And charity starts in the home. You know, Hand-holding and demonstrating good and kindness is First, it starts at home. Um, and what better privilege or what more gratifying privilege to, than to get that to our children first because they're the ones who we're responsible for demonstrating and embedding those values into. So I think um, there's several reasons why being married through spirit first is beneficial um, for our children and why it is for the children solely more than it is for us because we – demonstrate, like for me as a mom, I demonstrate what support, I, I demonstrate what loving a man, how to love a man, how to show up as a woman in my feminine energy looks like to my daughter. And I, most women can't fully do that if they are doing everything on their own. Um, that man provides that support and that safe space again. So she learns how to show up in the world through me, and I have permission in the space to do that because I have a mate by my side. Um, the same thing with, you know, my mate and the boys. He shows up to show them how to show up as a man and how to love on a woman. And he can't do that if he's by himself. You know, so we show them how to grow up through the marriage. Um, so that gender-specific support is demonstrated. That's one reason. Um, another reason is that we show them how to foster relationships by how we treat one another. There are so many different dynamics and obstacles that, exist outside of the home. And when you're separated, you know, if it's a, you know, a violent situation, you have to separate, that's one thing. But when you're separating out of selfishness because you just don't want to deal with your stuff right. or work hard to flex that muscle, that's a different thing. And right, we absolutely. open our kids to harm when we have that space for them to go out and learn about love through other people. Absolutely. So Let me share this real quick. Um, um, because it was nice to find out earlier this morning that you are, in a sense, working on a book. Uh, my book is 
technically out on Amazon, but I'm doing a big release on March 17th. Um, definitely would love to invite you out to the live experiences. I do the book release for uh, re-education of the Negro, necessary conversations on race, mm-hmm. sex, and culture. I shared this piece at the last live experience, and I thought it was somewhat appropriate to today's conversation, and I hope you'll see the connection. And it also shares with people how to use my upcoming book. It's not its not a book where you just, you know, people, in a sense, I would say people are not prone to reading as much as they were in the past in the digital age. And so I tried to create a book that made sense for today's age, which was creating commentaries to create dialogue such as this, if you will. And so mm-hmm. I wanted to share this um, Peace with you, if you will, uh, Autumn, and I got a couple of discussion questions, and then you can decide if it actually relates to today's show or not. Um, but I'm going to read this real quick and ask you a couple of these questions, if you will. This piece is called Black Socrates Speak, Snake Eyes, Hashtag Healthy Marriage Before Children. Black people have been falling in love and having children and often having children without marriage. However, the chances of this culturally succeeding long-term were slim. It is time we realize that similar goals and legacy, legacy are just as, if not more important, than love. Unfortunately, if you, let us lust and lo- if you let lust and love lead the way, the two of you will be sexing before finding out the things that matter, and sometimes even marrying without learning what you should know about one another. Although worse is having children without figuring out if the other person is worthy of parenthood. Rarely do we accept our role in having a child with a crazy baby mother simply because she had a fat ass or having a child with a deadbeat father who only wanted raw sex but no child. You could have figured out she was crazy before impregnating her or expecting a man you let have raw sex to take care of a seed he never asked for is foolish. If relationships are a crapshoot anyway, then fucking bareback before marriage and hoping the children turn out fine is like aiming to roll snake eyes intentionally in a game of dice just my three cents all i ask is that you think so the first question is do some people complain about their baby mothers and fathers so much they never recognize how it reflects on them i think we've already kind of dialogued about talking down on one another if you will but that's the first question on that piece your um your answer to that question if you will queen Yes, I absolutely think that people don't realize how their choices reflect on, you know, their ability to do better or choose better. Who I chose to procreate with is a direct reflection of me and what I feel like I'm worthy of. Now, going, you know, iterating through life and seeing how those choices manifested in in who I am today is one thing, but constantly reflecting on, um, the bad choices and, and, and vocalizing that to the to the people is saying that I'm not worthy of choosing of doing better because I didn't choose better. Um, yeah, so it, and when I see that, even in dating, I look out for how this person speaks about the people that they chose, the woman that they chose to marry or procreate with. If it's negative, then okay, you don't believe that you deserve better, and therefore you can't handle me. Um, that speaks volumes about who you are, and that's a, it's a non-negotiable for me. So all that talking negatively about your ex and how she's doing this, and I don't care what happened. Unless she is being physically abusive to your children, and even in that, you have the option to leave. You have the option to fight for your kids and leave. But staying and complaining about it, what am I supposed to do with that? How, how are you going to show up for me and you're stuck in that broken place? There's no goodness for you. But, you know, there's nothing that can happen between the two of us. Um, so, yes, in short, the answer is yes. It absolutely does speak volumes about that person. 
No, I love it. I got to go to a break. I'll ask you the second question coming out of break. This morning's discussion question, what did your parents' relationships teach you about marriage? Again, I see a caller out there. If you want to get in, please press 1. If you're online and want to join us, 646-787-1691. Again, you have to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Hey, are you a wine drinker? Yeah, a little bit here and there, but but my wife definitely loves her. Why you ask? Man, you got to try this vegan wine by Sip and Share Wines. I ran across them at this event in Atlanta, and now I keep me a few bottles at the house. What, what flavor you like? Um, I mean, I like me a good red or, or maybe a nice dipping gel or something. Okay, try this sweet red first. Hmm. Okay, that's, that's, that's nice and smooth right there. Yeah, that's kind of sweet like I like it. You know what I'm talking about? For sure. That's why I like that one as well. Hey, hey, now try this Conjure Sippin' Dance. This one was featured in Forbes magazine as a top 10 drink for the summer. See what you think. Oh, okay. Now that's fire right there. Where can I get a bottle of that? Just go to SippinShareWines.com. They'll ship it right to your door. They black on too. Oh, yeah? Okay, you said what? SippinShareWines.com? Is that it? Yep. Marriage is work Staying with the same person for 50 years is work Staying with the same person for 65 years That's work That's not just love That's work Love works True love will work True love will make you work on yourself It will make you work on your relationship It will make you work on your communication style It will make you work on your tone It will make you work on being home on time It will make you work on cooking It will make you work on cleaning True love actually works It ain't just a feeling It's an action I've been married for 23 years I'll be married for 24 years May 1st of 2023 Our love works for each other We work at this This ain't just we wake up every morning Just in love We work at it and we've worked at it for 23 years, and that's why the relationship is so good. Juliet's my girl. You know what I'm saying? But we work at this. It's not just some, I woke up like this. I woke up like this. No, I didn't just wake up like this. I worked at this. I worked at this. We worked at this. But when you don't work, it doesn't work. If only one of you is working, it's not going to work. And so if both people don't show up with the tools or both people don't need at least show up with the mindset that, hey, we, 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 we want to make this work. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Autumn Sonata. This morning's discussion question, what did your parents' relationship teach you about marriage? As I play a cut from one of my favorite podcasts, Hardly Initiated, one of their guests breaks down marriage's work. It also reminded me of Another one of the guests they had, um, Judge, um, was I think some thing I lost the name just slipped my mind. Um, Jolene Tolliver, she used to do divorce court or whatever, and she highlighted that um, in her relationship she didn't expect good things in her relationship. She worked on the relationship, and she highlighted that it was work and it was her person most important job. She said. Outside of, in a sense, being a mother, her most important job daily was to work on her marriage. And I'm highlighting that when we say what did we learn from our parents. Um, so maybe you saw some of that. Maybe you didn't see some of that. Uh, wish I had Brother Sincere for this, if you will, just the idea of if you didn't see functional relationships, if you will, at the end of the day, idealism doesn't 
speak to the work that they require. So I love that cut for that reason. Um, um, and right quick, before we jump all into that cut, if you will, I want to ask you the second question from my piece, if you will, and get your thoughts, and then you can jump into that cut. Um, the second question for the piece that I read, again, Snake Eyes from my upcoming book, Re-Education of the Negro, Necessary Conversations on Race, Sex, and Culture. Go to Amazon and look that up and get the book and have some of these dialogues. Second question from that piece, um, Autumn, is are there precautions people can take to help avoid making babies with deadbeats, whether that is the mother or the father? Your thoughts on that question, Queen? Yeah, um, Number one to me is gather the data. Um, dating for me is a data gathering um, stage. And like Cynthia was saying earlier, it's where you invest in the quality time, um, analyze um, how the two of you uh, respond to one another, um, align those core values, and ask the hard questions. Um, determine how a person responds with conflict. Um, Analyze, you know, his his dynamics with different people, especially the women in his life. Again, those relationships um, and how we demonstrate those in um, our interactions with the opposite sex is how we show up to our children. So how is his mother and father um, related? How do they interact? And, and that will show you how he respects women or how he looks at women most of the times. I absolutely will not date a man who has a, a turbulent relationship with his mother unless she is just, you know, so far gone that he has no, you know, uh, other option but to distance himself. But one who cannot respect and uh, provide a space for a woman that is in his life, mother, ex, whatever the case may be, or, you know, child's mother, then I have no no day to pull from to say that I will be safe there. And therefore, again, you, when you get something good and you're not used to it, you abuse it. So I'll have to remove myself. Um, but analyzing those different relationships with the, you know, the person you're dating is core, is, is key to determining how you should move forward. And I think that nowadays we don't take the time because we have so many different options. Um, we see one thing that's, that we don't like or unfamiliar with and we jump to the next. Um, but in respecting ourselves, we learn how to take our time and, and you know, do our due diligence and fully vetting out a person before we qualify them for a relationship. Absolutely, and I and I would highlight. We got a caller that wants to jump in, and I would highlight that I don't know if it's necessarily because there's so many options. Even though you're right, there are much more. You know, social media gives you access to way more people than you could have in the past. Right? You almost, <laughs> you know, prior to social media, you you realize, okay, outside of me, if I, you know, and most of the world still doesn't travel. Let's keep it a buck. But even in you know mm-hmm. traveling, you kind of would be reduced to. I better pick somebody out of this pool within my proximity to figure this mm-hmm. shit out with. Whereas now yeah. it's like you, you know, to your point, there's so many options because you could talk to somebody on the other side of the world or the other side of the country and fly to see them. So mm-hmm. now it's kind of like, oh, I don't have to settle for this one or two things I don't like. So to your point, I do want to mm-hmm. highlight that, but I also want to highlight part of the bigger issue is what we've been talking about when we talk about parents down to us and what did we learn. We highlighted the missing of a rites of passage, right? So these the, the men that survived the right of passage within those African cultures kind of were put on a pedestal to say, this person is worthy of having a family, of being married. So we don't have that rights of passage. Let's speak to that. And then the other aspect is how without guidance, you will 
have a baby with the person you love the most or have the best sex with accidentally, and you haven't looked into what type of parent. And so your point of data gathering matters because the other part of it is the next generation has it been shared with them that at a minimum, while obviously marriage is kind of getting turned upside down on his head today, I'm obviously a big advocate of it still to this to this day. But the bigger mm-hmm. issue when it comes to if we now understand the responsibility of this relationship is our commitment to these children, because we already mentioned how that's kind of been taken out of the equation and not right, mm-hmm. because historically those unions were about what are we doing with these next seeds, with these seeds and our commitment to these seeds. So I'm highlighting historically what marriage one has always meant. So I'm also highlighting that in today's era, we're actually having children before we vet that part. We're just like, oh, we really love each other. But you should be figuring out in part of your vetting process, how would this person parent my child and is it to your liking? That's something that is not being told when there's no rites of passage, whether it's down to the male or down to the women, because we know there are African cultures around the world in which that process is still there. Very much not Mm -hmm. the case Western society. Let's get to the caller. Area code six seven eight last three two one five. Give us your name and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Hi, my name is Lashawn, and my three cents. First of all, I've been enjoying the uh, the show and everyone's um, commentary, and I just had to jump in uh, regarding. I've been married twenty three years, and um, I definitely stayed for my youngest daughter. Uh, I have an oldest daughter from my um, baby father. (laughs) And then my second daughter is with my husband. And I was on the verge of leaving. Um, She was about maybe four or five, but I didn't want her to, you know, have to deal with the repercussions of that. And I had already went the route of raising my daughter by myself, my oldest one, and I didn't want to go that route again. So I did say for the children, and you're correct, you always hear, like, don't, that's not a reason, it causes more harm. And I agree, in physical and other type of situations it may, but my caveat is always not to stay in the same container that you're dealing with. I'm not saying to stay and be miserable and stay in survive and try to get through it for children. I think that is harmful. But if you can stay and show, like in my case, uh, understanding myself as a woman, uh, which then led me to understand myself as a wife, which then led Mm -hmm. to me understanding myself as a mother, marriage is my testimony for that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I didn't consider that a big deal. But now I see that love is a catalyst. And marriage is the the playground for that to be expressed. And it takes you to your highest self when you look at it as the purpose is to grow. And the benefit is that we get to love each other. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. I I definitely, and and to your point about uh, about vetting your baby's, you know, just children, period, your partners, my daughter, you know, I was, like I said, as a woman, I felt like, oh, you know, it's our freedom, our sexual revolution, and I told her about sexual, her sensuality, you know, all this feminine empowerment, 
And then it, it as my growth continued in that realm, I realized that, hey, I don't know how literal I can get, but we know these two parts. That oh, no, no, you can get it wrong on this show. We, <laughs> okay. Let me tell you, we're not lost for correctness. I already said Great. fucking bareback on the show, so you can say whatever on this show. You Go did. Ahead. <laughs> But so, I told her I felt this was yes, very raw. I told her penis to vagina brings baby. That's the purpose. Mm-hmm. Point blank. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna show you how you can enjoy your yourself sexually, not in the sense of you're gonna go to hell or like with my mother where mm-hmm. you have this baby, you made your bed, you lie in it. No, none of that either. Because parenting is such a big deal. I mean, gosh, it is it's heartbreaking because of our ignorance in that. So we, I, I learned that through the mistakes I made with both my children. But this, but my nineteen-year-old, I told her, look, you, I don't care how you vet. I don't, you know, they could be of a certain age. They could, you know, and I did that with my husband. I got married 35. I saw how he treated his mom, how he treated his children, his ex-wife, blah, blah, blah. But that still didn't have me, you know, (laughs) prepared for what marriage brought me. So what I say to my daughter is you're going to be connected to this person forever. And you you have to discover your values you know, what you want, and, and not not to say avoid relationships. Like we hear, oh, know yourself first. No, you know yourself through relationships. You, you, that's how you learn who you are. You know, it's easy to be by yourself and be in your own head and get out of it, but in a marriage, no. You got to, if you choose to really understand what it's for, and it's for building legacy, and that's what, what I've learned, and that is just, open up a whole new world for me um, in regards to relationships and how I look at sex, how I look at womanhood, how I look at, you know, manhood. Uh, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I homeschool my youngest daughter. And all this came through my marriage. I love it. You know, and and deciding to empower myself. And my husband didn't do it on his own. I Mm -hmm. did. But he re- he got the benefits of it. I saw, I always say, you know, he may not be quick to change, but if you can show him or if you can just be yourself, he will, it, it's going to happen. It's universal law. It has to. And it that's what's been working for us. No, I love mm-hmm. it. Um, I, I highlight this. I got this brother who calls in quite often, um, Emil Bryant, um, actually one of our Mental Dialogue members as well. Um, but when he calls in, I always tell him, I say, brother, you give us more than three cents. You give us four cents. So I feel like, son, I think this may be your, I don't know if you've called in before, but this is definitely four cents. We are up against the break. I really appreciate a lot of what you brought to the table because I feel like everything that you said, and I wanna, I'm going to speak to some of what you said out of this break, um, is really what's missing and not being passed because we don't have the example, so we don't understand what else it entails. And like you said, ultimately, you can only get so far on your own. It's the testing of that relationship, uh, a committed one such as marriage, that actually brings out 
the worst and the best of us so that we can be all that we can be. And that's not something that we are mm-hmm. uh, lost on us. So I appreciate you explaining your journey. We all begin to break. I actually will keep you on the air if you want to stay on with us. Uh, but let me go to break and we'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Have you heard the adage that a picture is worth a thousand words? Well, meet Livy Blue Photography, a premier company specializing in capturing your family portraits and turning them into wall art that stands the test of time. One visit to their website, LivyBlue.com, and you will immediately be blown away by the experience as you peruse their gallery. The lead photographer, Jalivia Northern, is a published photographer with over 10 years of experience in capturing families, weddings, and school senior portraits. If you want a breathtaking photography experience, contact Livy Blue Photography at LivyBlue.com. That's L-I-V-I-B-L-U-E.com. Between 21 and 25, I was one of those girls. I was only dating athletes. I was being jet-setted. Like, I was that girl, very much so. That's like the place we in as a culture. Like, I think, you know, women now, they use those early years mm-hmm. to play-play. For sure. They Heavy use, on the play-play. Use well, the and a lot of successful men are looking for younger women who mm-hmm. are just looking to have a great time. Mm-hmm. But see, it's, it's kind of weird because y- y'all have that time to play-play and y'all can have fun, right? Because y'all like, y'all fine as hell. Yeah. Y'all let y'all damn prime at this point. Y'all they can like, get anything damn, they want uh, for uh, free. Uh, like 21 to 25, men, it's like, it's an opposite for us. We broke <laughs> Right? We confused, we lost. We're not very attractive to women in that of we don't have our shit together. And what women look for in us, we still are not yet grounded and Nowadays, even our manhood in, in some ways at 21 and 25. Underdeveloped. So really for us, playtime starts really at that like 30 plus. I actually think that's why everyone is saying dating is trash right now. Mm. It's because women are at the age, if you're between 30 and 35, you're like, yo, I'm trying to settle down. But men between 30 and 35 are in their play play time. It they just have started. Money. It just started. Yeah. They have money. They have means. They have resources. So now it's a cycle. They're dipping back into the 20 and 25-year-olds because they're just trying to have fun. They're yeah. not really looking for anything serious. They just want to enjoy themselves. I honestly think that's the biggest problem with dating right now. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Autumn Sonata. This morning's discussion question, what did your parents' relationship teach you about marriage? Another cut from, again, one of my favorite podcasts, Hardly Initiated. And I thought this cut was very appropriate for today's discussion because as we highlight you know, what did we learn from our parents? What did we learn or not learn, if you will, from our parents that it would help us propel us in our own relationship as we share our own stories? Um, still have a call, um, caller, LaShawn. Uh, uh, I think I'm saying her name correctly on the line as well. Um, but I want to highlight the reason I'm playing that cut, and I'll start with you, Autumn, and, and then see if our guest wants to, I mean, if our caller wants to talk as well. Um, but the reason I'm highlighting this is because here is the one aspect, if you're a longtime listener of this show, I'm always an advocate for, again, I love making up hashtags. So in that piece that I played, I, I highlighted one of my favorite hashtags that I made up, which is hashtag healthy marriage before children. And so obviously I advocate for that as a, as a, as a means of uh, helping our entire community, but specifically the individuals and more so the children, because that's what's in a sense being lost on how we're moving now is, in a sense, the next generation, as I keep mentioning on this show, is being raised without example. But I'm highlighting that cut right there, Autumn, because 
what's not lost on me as much as I advocate for marriage. I've always been highlighting since I was in my late teens the idea that the different experience from the past over the last 5,000 years of marriages, the thing that's part of modern society that has not been part of, quote, unquote, getting marriage in the the past is how, as we've moved from an agricultural society to a marketplace market, the idea that, in a sense, both men and women can fend for themselves and can be in the market to the extent that marriage happens a lot later, especially in Western societies, than it ever happened. And so in the past, there was never this period, if you will, to have this myth that you just heard in that cut, right? They highlighted what's happening in today's modern era as far as age-wise, what each party is looking for. And that's a factor that even if you could look to your parents' relationship, if you, in a sense, did not fall in line at maybe at the point in which they got married, it's hard, Mary, it's hard for them to give you advice in the modern era because that's the thing that is different. You know, the idea of religion, wait until you're, you know, married to have sex. Nobody was being asked to wait to 35 to have sex just 100 years ago. So it not, doesn't make sense based on our natural scientific hormones of being ready and available in a sense to have sex. I'm not making an excuse. I'm just highlighting that there are aspects of even what we highlight in marriage that don't take into consideration the modern situation. And I think that cut highlights it brilliantly of an issue of what can we bring back from the past that matters to navigate today's time. So I said a lot there, Autumn, your thoughts, Queen, and then I'll see if the caller wants to come in as well. Well, yeah, um, someone's going through my mind, and, um, you know, some of the cut I missed, uh, so forgive me for that. So I respectfully want to hear the caller's input because um, okay. there's a no model problem. that I want to, to, to touch on and how it relates to what the uh, the clip said and what you said. But I would definitely okay, want to hear her good. input first. Oh, that's cool. Um, so LaShawn, am I saying your name correctly? Did I say it correctly? Yes, you said it correctly, LaShawn. Uh-huh. Okay, okay Queen, yeah. did you want to give more input? Because I'm not trying to make you talk, but since we got you, I was going to take advantage oh, of hearing your input, your three cents as well. To what I, to the cut sure. and maybe what I said, any thoughts you might want to give. It's up to you if you don't want to. You could just say, nah, I'm, I'll buy out. It's up to you, Queen. Well, no, I, I agree that the uh, cut there definitely shed some light on what's happening um, in the modern dating um, that maybe we're not looking at. You know, like I said, with my daughter being the, the 19-year-old and knowing mm-hmm. that it is physical, but letting her know, not, like I said, maybe something different, is to let her know that, you know, we know more about parenting. We know more about what it takes. And so there's more information that we can give them. Now that 30 and 35, I, I that whole generation, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know what we could do to support them because it's like they are not seen. You know, you got the the pick me's and there's all this stuff going on, and you got the independent, and I'm like, can't you have both? Um, you know, and still have the traditional components of marriage there, of the courting. And definitely when she said the young men, like 35, they want to still play. And I'm like, that's kind of backwards. 
you know, that's usually the time that, and that's where the uh, rites of passage is missing. But that's usually, to me, like the time where you, you're like, you're settled down, you see that you want to have purpose, that a, a woman or a wife, family brings that to you, you, you know, have goals. And, and so I'm like, 35, we still are playing around? So that's yeah, definitely a, a dilemma there. With yeah. how to um, support yeah, those let me, let me, that, no, that age group. Yeah, let me let me let me put mm-hmm. it in perspective. Um, just from the standpoint, I think what they highlighted on that um, on that cut is absolutely the case of where we're at. And so, if you and what I always say is, we're in a society now that loves to throw the baby out with the bathwater. So mm-hmm. what happens is because there are aspects of traditional marriage that doesn't fit today's society so the conversation is might be marriage doesn't work or traditional marriage doesn't work whereas the reality is humans evolve and so if we don't throw the baby out then i think some of what we're doing today the dialogue can be about what should be kept what should we keep and i think some of what mm-hmm. we were highlighting before the cut LaShawn, was the idea of just being able to vet someone for how good of a parent that is. That's something I didn't think about. I, I, my mother was amazing at saying, don't bring no children home. One, you're going to be responsible. I'm not taking care of your child if you do this, right? And she was on me about protecting myself. And so based on my mother's guidance, if you will, right, I didn't have a child, quote, unquote, out of wedlock, if you will. Again, that's just something that my mother definitely preached on. But I'm highlighting that what also goes along, that doesn't go along with, this generation is, as as we point out, we're now getting older, so it kind of becomes foolish to think, oh, if somebody waits to 27, they're going to be virgins, if you will, if you bring the religious act. So that's kind of foolish to think of that. So can't we include, make sure you're not having a baby with someone you haven't vetted for how well of a parent, how serious are they about saying they're going to raise, you know, about raising the ch- child? Now, people will always highlight, oh, if somebody could trick you, that can happen. But if we're honest, a lot of children are being born without that type of vetting. And so I'm just highlighting Mm -hmm. that that's something that can be brought back because the prior process Mm -hmm. of courtship and getting marriage was for children anyway. So it was naturally happening in the past. So that's an aspect, in my opinion, that we could bring back of saying, okay, they were getting married because they knew they were not only making a commitment to themselves, but to the raising of those children. We can still keep that part, even though we may wait to get married. Again, this is just my three cents on connecting the dots between what can we keep versus what is lost. Last thing I'll say, Autumn, and I'll let you jump in, is the unfortunate reality mm-hmm. is we have extended adolescence in this newer generation. So it will be a lot later before a man matures into wanting something serious. That is a reality. I'm not excusing it. And because it is the reality, then we heard we've heard different influencers highlight that maybe we could even re- return to periods of where women look to older men um mm. because that maturity is a lot later for us that is a reality and i would say specifically in the african american community because we've had 50 years of broken homes as a culture and so i do see my friends who are now 
all married, not myself and, and maybe one other, but they all kind of got that maturity. Some are on their second marriage successfully, and the ones that waited till a little later are successfully married now because they reached that maturity at a lot later age because with rites of passage, you would be expected to have a family in those cultures a lot sooner than you are in the American culture. So I'm balancing a lot of things of what we can keep and what we can throw out because I think as a culture we're going through figuring out on our own without considering what we should keep. Go ahead, Autumn, your thoughts, Queen. Yeah, so for me, um, when we're talking about things we can keep and things we can throw away, uh, we have to consider and respect the fact that things are definitely not the same. The environment is not the same. The, the temperature of, of love and how we connect to one another is not the same. The digital age, you know, we're in the era of information. Um, the way that we relate to, to one another, the intimacy and the intention behind connection has been lost in the sauce because, like I said before, we have so many options now. And so the quality of our connections are diminished because we, we can bounce that around and segment it out to multiple people, not realizing that we are limiting our, our – um, we're limiting the quality of our relationships because we have, you know, so many different options. Um, and then on top of that, when we're looking at the male and female dynamic, yes, males, and this is my opinion, they tend to mature more slowly, but we also have to look at – the influences that, you know, permit them to do so. Like, I don't have to grow up so fast because this artist is showing me how gratifying and how, how um, satisfying it is to be immature, to go out here and objectify women for sex and treat them mm-hmm. like they're just, you know, less than. Or politics coming into that. They're introducing different dynamics that have nothing to do with procreation, and we're, we're – there are bathrooms out here where we can coexist in a bathroom when in, in back in the day it's like, no, this is what a female looks like and this is how we operate and this is a male. So the quality behind who we were in our in our uh our biological makeup was exclusive. Now it's all blending together and so people are they're trying to hurry up and live and um do everything within a certain time frame without looking at the quality of their actions. And I know I'm just ranting but I, this stuff is important to me. No, I love um, the rant. I love the rant. Let me. We up against a so, break, so let me say this. If you're gonna go close your when, thought out, so close your thought out, if you will. Go ahead. When it when it comes to um, things that we can change, the mindset that we had back in the day, we need to learn how to evolve and add color to how we move today, so that we can relate to those who are not there. And then we also have to look at uh, being firm on our foundational blocks. I'm not going for what everybody else wants to do. I'm raising my kids the way that I was raised with those foundational um, portions of it, and nobody can can sway me from that. No, absolutely. Yeah, because what what you're talking about is how society highlights the things that we now clearly see are not valuable to our culture and especially the idea of a family structure. And so because those Mm -hmm. things are highlighted, you see people move towards it. And to your point, Mm -hmm. the the value of the family structure is it key, it protects you from that. And if we can recall that, we can start highlighting those values again within a family. We're up against the break. We'll be right back and listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Are you intimidated by money? Well, this is a question most people never think to ask themselves. But when forced to think about it, many people realize they have unrecognized fears that truly affect how they deal with money. If you want to learn more about money and the fears that keep you from prosperity, join us for Making Money Matter Mondays, where money meets mental health with personal finance coach Ashley Thomas and psychotherapist Dr. Katrina Pitts. 
every second Monday of the month. Find out if you're intimidated by money and what to do about it. To receive a link to this free Zoom event, please DM the Making Money Matter or the Mentor Dialogue Instagram pages or contact 404-604-9477. The reason why marriages today are in trouble is because people think it's the end goal instead of the starting point. You think you won the race when, no, that is just registration table. You know what I'm saying? There is a, mar- there is a, mar- there is a marathon to continue. And when we celebrate, so we celebrate the, the, the wedding and, and the pictures, and we do all this hype. And then after you do that, that big payoff, now it's what's next. A lot of us spend more time planning the wedding, what the colors was going to be, who our bridesmaid and groomsmen, but we didn't go to therapy before. We didn't actually map out plans. We said those traditional vows that wasn't even specific to us. We didn't even make a covenant with each other. We didn't make a contract. We didn't have the, the, the uh, emergency procedures. So my point is I want everybody to think about that. Marriage is not the end goal. It's the starting point. The end goal is not me marrying you. The end goal is me dying married to you. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Autumn Sonata. This morning's discussion question, what did your parents' relationship teach you about marriage? We have another caller out there. If you're trying to get in, you do have to press 1 if you want to get in on this uh, on the show. Just heard a cut from today's conversation mm-hmm. on the podcast. A great cut, highlighting, but I think it's something that, again, we need to be reminded of or does not put in our face. And I absolutely understand how, you know, as I mentioned, having my own period of romance, being rom- romanticizing marriage and the idea of it or whatever, it, it, without me knowing it, it was at one point an end, end goal, I think, in my maturity and being exposed to wonderful couples who explain a lot of Getting some of this information that, you know, I'm sharing. Again, I'm not telling anyone to take anything I'm saying um, at face value, but I will say a lot of what I'm saying is just being repeated from those who I feel like I learned most things wrong and the things that I value now in my understanding of wanting to still enter into a marriage um, later in my life. Um, Hopefully still that is something that can happen for me. I expect it to happen. Um, But I will mm-hmm. say the things I understand now are in recent, completely different than growing up in today's modern era with not knowing what to pick, what to choose, what I should have, what I should focus on. And this cut speaks to, again, that longevity longevity of the commitment. Again, I, I highlight personally, not just to one another, but our purpose is if we're bringing children in the world, our commitment to what we do for one another every day happens no matter how I feel, even what we've been through, because we've said we're going to set these children up with enough values so that they can navigate the world. That is a huge obligation that I think is lost on us in the romanticized era of marriage being the goal, almost the end goal, and we just assume we'll figure out the children. Hell no. That's the mistake of today's era, in my opinion. Your thoughts, Autumn? Yeah, so I actually heard that clip on um, yesterday, and 
I made a post about it on Facebook. Um, I've been married and divorced twice. I looked at marriage as the end goal, like, hey, we got here, we succeeded, like, this is good, like, now we're we're good, we succeeded, A+. plus. Not realizing that that's when the work begins. And like mm-hmm. um, Carla was saying earlier, we learn a lot about ourselves through relationship. I personally um, use the uh, the hand, heart, and, uh, I'm sorry, the head, heart, and hand model uh, when it comes to relationship. Your first dynamic, your first belief, your all of your your values and everything start with what you tell yourself about yourself. That starts in your head. Who are you? Who do you believe yourself to be? That guides into your heart. How do you emotionally connect with someone? What What do you believe you're worthy of? That determines your relationship style, um, the quality of the person you do connect with. And then your hand, how do you show that up to the world? Like what's your actions? Um, are they aligned with what you believe and what you feel? So if those three things are not in alignment, you're not going to attract or uh, feel secure in the type of relationship that, um, you know, that you desire because you're, you're going to repel it. You're not in alignment. And as far as the, the uh, snippet that I heard the other day, getting to the wedding is the, the starting point. That's getting to the event. That's going to the event, showing up as a wife, because before I get married, I'm already a wife. I've already prepared myself. I've conditioned my heart. I've done my cardio to get my body prepared for it, my mind. I've drunk my water so I'm hydrated for relationship in the long haul. And then when I get to the event, when I say, okay, I do, that means I'm ready, and I'm ready to take on all that comes with that journey. So it's so much that goes into it. I think oftentimes we get to to the event and we're ready to run, but we're not prepared emotionally, physically, and spiritually for it. So we're just waiting for someone to CPR on the sideline. Well, we should already have that in place. No, I love it. I love how you tied it up. We talked about the hydrated, and it made me think of this quick, super quick analogy, which is really what you just heard in the cut. But I love it just based on what you said. It's it's um, like preparing for a track race, right? You don't show up mm-hmm. the day of to run the race, right? You actually prepare for it. And so, yeah, that analogy is – like say getting married, like you said, like he said, it's the registration table. You, if you ever been part, if you ever ran track, you always make sure you go sign up for your. Let them know I'm in this event here, right, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, yep, if we actually think of the marriage as actually the co- competition of the race, if you will, and you're really let's put it in this perspective, you're testing yourself against others in the in the actual track race to see how you do. And to go to LaShawn's point, and I love that she highlighted this, and I wanted to make sure I jump back on this, is because she'll, I think she'll love to hear this, LaShawn. I'm bringing you back live as well. Um, when you spoke to how you kind of had to, you went through your own process in it of yourself, right? Not just you and your husband, but yourself. So I was just talking to mm-hmm. a young brother who, well, who I think just turned 39 or 40 or whatever, and we literally was just talking about this. But prior to him knowing I was doing this show, was the idea of he was like, man, I don't want to be out here single. It's terrible out here. I want to get married. Mm-hmm. And I said to and I said to him, I said this. I said although I'm 49 and single, I absolutely encourage you to move forward in that process because at the end of the day, and, and this brother is doing his thing financially. You know, just outside looking in. I'll, you know, if I want to even use this word, he's a catch, if you will. I don't think of it that way. I think, uh, like um, sincere said. Um, we choose and y'all select, if you will. So not, you know, just kind of using that term for understanding. But he's, in a sense, doing very well for himself. And I said to him, like Farrakhan has said, at the end of the day, you don't become a man 
without a wife or a woman on your side. And he was, and he was, you say, okay, he wanted me to further explain. And all I just mentioned, which again was just sharing similar to what Farrakhan says at the end of the day, you don't know all of who you are until one, you've had to be responsible one for another person. And that other person will test you in their own growth growth. That is the process of you becoming everything you can on your own. You can't be tested in that manner. He really, really appreciated that. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm just relaying something I learned from Farrakhan, not my words, to that brother, because the truth resonates. I don't have to be married, if you will, to translate good messaging that I'm seeing from successful marriages. Um, it sounds like you want to jump in, and I'm going to go back to LaShawn real quick. We only got a few more minutes before we close this show out. But um, any thoughts on, again, um, I just highlighted that because of what she said and learning her own process within her marriage. Go ahead, Queen. Yeah, I um, for me, I I'm grateful for my two marriages because that built my muscle and prepared me for what I am, you know, postured for now. Um, even though I say, you know, I'm already a wife, I've iterated through those experiences and prepared myself to run that race. Um, like you said, Montoya. It's not until you get into the relationship or marriage till you're you have to test it. So I can prepare myself all day long and know that I'm ready. But when you get into a marriage or you know my next marriage, which I do want to get married again and will, um, that's when it that's when they show up to say, okay, prove it. You talk a good game. You you can help people. You can help people heal and and you know talk about your lived experience. But now that we're in this and we're both healed, okay, prove it. And so um, yeah, the ultimate test is actually being in that. Um, in that relationship, so oh, absolutely, Lashawn. I want to throw a quick thought back to you before we close this out. Thank you for joining us this morning, Queen. For the other caller out there, if you're just listening, no problem. We won't have time to get you in, but we'll go ahead and let Lashawn give us another thought. Um, thank you for rock- again. Thank you for rocking with us, Queen. Oh, thank you for this uh, show. When I saw it on Facebook, I was like, oh, I have to join and you know listen. But um, I just want to say, yeah, when you were talking about what we could maybe, you know, take out and leave, and I even thought about women being at home. I know that will probably get me caught and said. <laughs> but, no, so it's a um, wonderful thought. It's a wonderful thought. That, Definitely that, something to be considered. That will help. Yeah, that will help her see him and what he brings and help himself see what he brings. And maybe that will cause the maturity to, to activate it a little earlier, to find the purpose earlier, and then the children and the family and the community and what have you, nation building is going on. So, um, But, yeah, I will, I will close with that. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you all. No, absolutely. Yeah, I love her highlighting that point because here's the reality. Um, while the quote-unquote 50-50 marriage is normalized throughout American culture, not just the black community, throughout the culture, the majority of, you know, uh, homes that are with, that are, that include marriage are, if you will, a situation where both are working. Um, something, again, to take from the past where you saw more of that, you know, maybe the man brought home the bacon and the woman was a homemaker, if you will, uh, aspect that we can take, again, just, again, not throwing the baby out, but pick, picking out the good stuff, is an aspect of at least becoming very aware of if you're not in a situation as a man where, quote, unquote, you're going to be taking care of all of the bills. Again, again, highly encouraged. I've seen good results from it. But even if you're not in that situation, being aware of that 50-50 and the, quote, unquote, roles can be super unfair 
if you haven't thought about it. Oh, yeah, we both come home or whatever, and then you expect her to, in a sense, play a role, and she works too, just being very aware of how unfair that situation is. And so the divvying of roles needs to be seriously considered if you both are going to work. And sometimes I think the current generation has been raised not to consider how to divvy it up. We got one more minute, Queen. Autumn, I'll give you a last thought for the show. Thank you for rocking with me this morning, Queen. And let people know how to stay in contact with you. So make sure you make a quick thought and make sure you get your contact out as well. I'm all over the place. Um, my, my quick thought and my last um, words are be true to yourself. Um, iterate through your stuff and do the work. Like, stay true to your core values. Don't let society tell you who you are and tell you what you deserve. You figure that out and being now yourself or nothing less. All right. Tell them how to stay in okay. contact with you in this upcoming book. Um, what? Social media, I am Autumn Sonata on Instagram, uh, Miss Sonata on Instagram, also on Facebook, The Autumn Sonata. Um, shoot, the book will be out, uh, I would say, by the end of summer. I'm working on pushing that out. And then um, Sly Nerd is my uh, my tech business. I'll have the website up soon, and then I'll have the, uh, the apparel coming out as well. Love it. See you all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think. Bye, y'all.